0: You're listening to the Soakin Community Podcast. Your favorite source for gaming, film, and internet debate. Start now. Start now.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soakin Podcast. I'm your host, T, and with me are Jace and Leo.
2: Jace, son
1: and Leo. We're a... Uh... We're still trapped in our respective boxes but we're alive self-isolation's been going on for a few weeks so we don't all have the most exciting stories but uh uh jace what's what's the outside world like
2: um i have very limited contact with the outside world however it does happen um i do get out for work and get to go to fun places where the public like post offices post offices and mask up and glove up and see all the crazy people
0: who don't i had the opportunity to go into my office for the last time today for the foreseeable future to collect my uh my pc and you know necessary office supplies so that i can work from home for you know the foreseeable future it was a bittersweet goodbye to everybody i thought i'd be skipping out of there because hey i'm working from home i'm not commuting anymore but it was like ooh, uh well i'll see you on the other side of this yeah (laughs) It's a weird, weird time to be
2: alive. We had yeah. we've been having daily meetings with our management staff, and today we we have a tradition of going to birthday lunches when one of our managers has a birthday. There's ten of us total, so we you know lunches a year. And so one of our managers had a birthday. Obviously, we couldn't go to lunch, so we did a uh, Microsoft Teams happy
0: birthday sing along,
2: and it was abhorrent. It's really <laughs> hard to get coordinated <laughs> on that
0: thing. <laughs> It is. It really is. I've had a few very awkward Microsoft team meetings and I don't want to do them ever again, but they're going to be my life for a while.
2: Yeah. What would we do without Microsoft teams? I really didn't use it at all before, even though we had access to it um, with our office 365. I never, I never used it at all, but I'll tell you what, it's been a real lifesaver.
0: I've had a couple of people ask me about like, um discord and some of the uh, you know some of the programs that we nerdy gamers have used for years and i was telling some folks yeah no it it's super easy to set up you know you you don't have to pay for it and they're like you don't have to pay for it yeah no, i almost did
2: it i almost did a work discord we but since we already had it in our plan and you can do video it's 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 probably better to be able to see people's faces for work stuff
0: yeah for sure for sure
2: have you ever have you had any of those weird <laughs> discord or not discord uh, teams meetings or zoom meetings where you don't where you think you're muted but then you're not <laughs> and then you have to try <laughs> to explain yourself
0: fortunately not yet i think i'm about to because i'm i'm in a house with my two daughters who are going stir crazy and my wife who's also working from home and she uh, she's coaching uh, uh, autistic children on on the spectrum, um, and it's going to be—I can't imagine the things are going to be said in <laughs> the background of my meetings uh, that I'm going to have. I'm going to be like, "Hey, sorry, we're—you uh, know—we're all adjusting." <laughs> it'll be fun.
2: Yeah, I was on a meeting the other day with the which is our association, one of the associations that we're open up and it was about confidentiality and how to keep sessions private while you're on social media, blah, blah, blah. And I forgot to mute myself. And they're they're, you know, these people are, I don't know. I don't want to bad talk to them because they're great people people but they say like things that they think are super deep and i wasn't muted and i i quoted talladega nights and i was like you've got to remember that the field mouse is fast but the owl sees it and this lady goes um i'm sorry mr jones what was that i was like oh i, I was just trying to give some insight on um exactly how we should respond in moments of crisis. It's
0: awesome like i'm more worried about you know i'm sitting in a serious meeting with you know one of the one of our partners you know i'm negotiating a contract or something and my wife is telling you know some kid to stop digging in their nose or something like in the background i'm like "Mm -mm." uh yeah um so uh, i think in 2021 we should really consider uh not digging in our noses
1: that is your official recommendation
2: It is. It will be. From
0: the CDC.
1: All right. We'll put that down in the book. For the rest of today, we're going to be taking a look back at the first season of Picard, discussing laid-back games like the newly released Animal Crossing title, and looking at the actions of celebrities during the quarantine. On March 26th, the Star Trek Picard wrapped its first season. We discussed the first couple of episodes earlier in what producer, Syl, has called one of our best arguments of season four. So now that the show has ended, we're going to talk about whether or not it lived up to expectations set by the early episodes and where it might be going in the future. So just to start off, a lot of us here haven't seen the show or aren't even Star Trek fans in general. Is this a show worth watching if you're not already into the world?
0: I think the show does a couple of weird things. So it tries to draw on nostalgia. It makes the show about Picard. They have cameos from other characters like Seven of Nine and Riker. They show up for various episodes, but the story is really not told like the Star Trek of old. Um, So I think they're trying to do a mix of both. Um, And unfortunately, in my opinion, they've missed on both counts. It's uninteresting for me as a former Star Trek fan, particularly The Next Generation. And it's uninteresting to me by just what is the modern storytelling, um, I don't know, uh, code. It just isn't interesting to me.
2: I found it incredibly interesting. Now, now, <clears throat> I guess the question is really about accessibility. Um, is this show, is Picard accessible to someone who isn't a star trek fan uh my answer initially is yes i think so i think that you could probably sit down and watch it and understand you're watching a show about a an old man who used to be an important captain Uh, you could pick themes relatively quickly there are obviously some some easter eggs or even probably a little i have to use a stronger word than easter egg there is some foundational things that would help if you knew about it going in Um, But I think that they did a a good enough job of explaining the world around it um, and giving enough background that you wouldn't stay lost for long. Uh, A Star Trek fan, for instance, would immediately know when you see um, the artifact that it's a board cube. Other people might take a minute to figure out. Uh, you know, some explanation of what is a Borg? Why is their ship a cube? And, and why is it important that this one isn't moving anymore? So, I mean, I think it's accessible. Certainly, I think you'd enjoy it more if you were a Star Trek fan.
0: I Honestly, being a Star Trek fan, I think, okay. So a surface level Star Trek fan, um, I think somebody who knows like who characters are and knows a little bit about Star Trek lore would appreciate like cameos and you know what a Borg cube is but folks who like have been fans for a while or like know really deep Star Trek lore especially loved the way the stories used to be told I think the more you dug into it the less you're gonna like it because it hits some notes it hits some elements of like yep this was a, a character that we knew and they have these kind of weird relationships but um those aren't necessarily the things that always shine through in the show they even contradict a lot of the previously established star trek lore um in trying to create this i don't know quote compelling story um and a lot of stuff is just absent
2: i could not disagree more i i i would i think i'm probably in like the top two percent of star trek nerds there's there there's no piece of star trek that i have not seen probably multiple times every episode every movie every there are uh, i've read books and books and books of star trek uh novelizations now those aren't necessarily really canon um are but most of them are not i've read them anyway i i feel incredibly enmeshed in the star trek mythos i ran um a star trek simulation online for about two and a half years where i was an admin and a captain of my own vessel the uss hawking feel free to google it um and incredibly rich i loved the layers of lore. now i I do have some complaints about the show sure and i feel like we're going to get to them with the questions but i found it deep and as far as canon breaking i don't think so Uh, Star Trek has a history of breaking its own canon and then working around to fix it. That's not new. That has happened since Next Generation came out. Actually, internal canon was busted in the original series. And then if you want to count animated series as canon, which evidently we do now, um, you know, there are just (laughs) there are ways to fix canon breaches and I think that if you're if you're working around some continuity in order to tell a good story worth it especially if you fix it on the other side um for instance the klingons in the original series did not have ridgeheads. the next generation brought out a complete and total klingon redesign star trek fans of the era were not happy that klingons got a redesign but because of uh, prosthetic technology because we, we've progressed as a society because we wanted more more um deeper special effects, they they gave us new Klingons. Well, Enterprise had a whole storyline about why there, some Klingons were flat-headed and some were ridge-headed. Um, they built an entire storyline around it and fixed that little piece of continuity. Really, it's not a continuity error as much as it's just a production difference. A lot of people do not like the way the Klingons look now, uh, in, in Discovery, for instance. Um, There are some continuity fixes that they did in Season 2 to fix some of the stuff in Season 1. I'm okay with fixing continuity as long as at the end of the day we get some sort of cohesion.
0: Cohesion's fine. Um, I'm happy with a story that comes back around on itself to rectify where it, it might have made not necessarily a mistake. That's too strong a word. But might have made um, what some might consider, you know, a, a, a continuity error or break or disregarding or contradicting something that um, had been, you know, previously established. I think there are there are a lot of examples of things that where, um, in in some ways, it's kind of impressive how the the writers for Picard have managed to. Um, adhere to some of the nuances of previous stories but in a lot of ways they've just completely disregarded them um, for the sake of whatever the story is like characters that are 180s of themselves seven of nine for instance is one who is like she was cold and calculating and logical and now she's a drunken alcoholic mercenary like a completely different kind of character and it's my same argument for uh, Luke Skywalker from Star Wars, like it's fine if you want to have a character make that kind of transition, but you have to justify it. You have to earn it.
2: I would love to see a Star Trek Fenris Rangers show. That would that would actually thrill the heck out of me. So I don't disagree on in the sense that I would I would like to see it. Um, but I also don't necessarily have a problem. There's a difference between moving a character forward and taking apart what made the character that character t- in the first place. When we met Seven of Nine, she was just disengaged from the Borg. Uh, she had just become separated from the collective. The, one of the big themes of the show is about Borg being separated from the collective and, and what that does to them and the trauma that they endure. She was highly traumatized during Voyager, uh, having been assimilated as a child. We actually see a human being who came from a a traumatized, separated Borg to what would happen when they get put back in the real real world. You know 20 years went by and this is what became of her do i miss that story yeah but i think i would have hated it worse if they would have left her as a cold calculating half cyborg being that didn't alter or change at all in the intervening years i'm happy to see some progression
0: yeah i, I don't disagree i'd like to see characters that have progressed but i would have liked to seen have seen some kind of throwback to that old character as opposed to just it's the same actress but it, it, it is a fundamentally different character that has the same name. And in a lot of ways, it's the same as um, Jean-Luc or my criticisms of Jean-Luc. But we, I think we're going to get to that.
1: Uh, funnily enough, it's the next question. Do you think that adaptation stayed true to the character of Jean-Luc Picard?
0: I get the character has aged. I get the character's been through some trauma. And I get the character has been disillusioned to a point. Um but this has been a season of picard um essentially being uh insulted and chastised and told off over and over and over and him being this um sorry so you're going to have to edit it but him being just this picard was the guy who said this is the line no further like picard was a commander and he was a commander for a long time and to see this sad old character be pushed around like he is over and over and over, to me really is a fundamental departure from the Starfleet captain and eventual Starfleet admiral that I admired. I feel bad for this old man.
2: Um, I guess maybe from, from where I am in my life, I found it to be very compelling and and i, I will acknowledge 100 that there was a there is a change from um all good things the final episode well let's say nemesis stark Nemesis, which was actually the last time we saw him in universe to uh, season one episode one of picard there is a vast difference um and i kind of related to it there even in the very first episode there was a kind of a brokenness in picard a a disillusionment with the universe and the world. And I identified with it Uh, because I find, I'm not obviously not a a Starfleet captain, sadly, but I'm an idealist and (laughs) I'm an idealist. And I believe in making decisions based on principles. And I believe the world can be a better place. And I believe that ultimately good will come if we all work hard and do the right thing. Um, This last year, maybe a year and a half or so, I've been seeing so much of what I have poured my life into in the real world, not pay dividends and the goodness that I expect doesn't come around. And there is a sense of disillusionment in me. And, you know, I'm not as old as Picard. I didn't have the necessarily this, a grand career before I have been moving into that, that place. But there is a certain cynicism that comes with spending yourself and spending your idealistic capital to make a better world only to see that world not get better and in some cases get worse. In in some ways, there is a, a pain to that and it is sad to see. I think that it's, it was sad for all of us to see Picard resigned to to the fate that he was living. On top of that, he's sick. Um, you know, All Good Things set up the, the plot. The, or the the fact that he had that brain condition that would eventually kill him um, but before that take away his mind and faculties uh, this is alluded to in the very first episodes and then uh, Deanna Troy makes kind of a, an emotional mention of it and we know that this Picard is not only older, not only disillusioned but he's also sick. This is a different man because he's dealing with health issues and that's a reality for people as they get older. Decline happens and While I get what you're saying, it would have been really triumphant to see an old man, Picard, jump back on the bridge and be that guy we wanted him to be, it also wouldn't have felt real. It wouldn't have felt like it mattered. And to me, Trek has always been about stuff that matters. It's always been about talking about the human condition. And getting older and getting disillusioned and failing is really a part of being human.
0: It totally is. Um, And in fact, I think um, what Star Trek was about um the the fundamental aspects about being human um were uh, i i think also one of the largest departures of this show at least in terms of where i think gene roddenberry was hoping to take it this is a, a a reinvestment into the failings of humanity and not only a reinvestment but a highlighting of it and making them the the sole cause for this story. The whole universe is flawed, flawed in such a way that humanity itself is awful. And Picard is supposed to be this one shining light of humanity. Well, that wasn't the idea of Star Trek. While yes, Picard was a shining beacon of humanity. He was so because he embodied those ideals. This is a complete departure from that. And he is instead this doddering old man who was an idealist who is now confused and lost um, most of the time um and then has moments of clarity to to have some quavering idealistic speech amidst all the evil and darkness and chaos that is humanity's worst um highlighted as all that humanity has amounted to in, in this show and that is a like it's it's not just a departure from Gene Roddenberry's vision it is the polar opposite of what was Gene Roddenberry's no, vision no, in my no, opinion no
2: no 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 wrong so Gene Roddenberry you're right Gene Rodden- Roddenberry originally did not want to have conflict within his characters he wanted the conflict to be outside of the characters he did want to present a humanity that had evolved moved on and the the original series and the first couple seasons of TNG while he was alive had very strict rules about what had to happen However, that stuff went away. That stuff went away in late TNG, DS9, it was gone, and uh, subsequent tracks after that, it really f- fell away. Th- that piece of Right, the...
0: once he died and his vision was no longer adhered to.
2: Right, but that was only part of the part of the vision that h- humanity had ascended. First of all, in Picard, the big bads aren't even human. It really is about alien bad guys I still. will
0: disagree there completely. The Federation is the worst. Wrong, did you
2: see the final episode? Federation
0: came through, dog. Well, it, uh, certain captains in the Federation came through. And there yes.
2: was like a, there was like eighty ships that showed up in the fleet. all
0: identical <laughs> CGI copy paste ships. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, they were there. Federation showed up, and honestly, what was corrupt in the Federation wasn't even a human thing. It was a Romulan thing, which is right up the Romulan alley. It was a huge Romulan conspiracy that had embedded itself within Starfleet Command. Sure. But, it, but that's not new. Even Roddenberry signed off on stories. As long as it, it came from the outside, you corrupt Starfleet. The One of the early TNG episodes where the alien like embedded themselves into the skulls of, of the people that had the little breathing tube. He allowed that to happen because it was the aliens that had corrupted Starfleet. Same thing happened on Picard, ultimately. It wasn't the humans that were the bads. The Romulans were the bads. The synths were the bads. Now, that's not to say there weren't departures. Sure. There is inner conflict in star trek now characters can be more characters rather than just vehicles for telling a story and i personally appreciate that i'm fine with allowing characters to be characters and have flaws and have things that they struggle with
0: Um, i think it's the complete opposite i think now these characters are simply there to move a plot along regardless of how much they compromise their previous selves or even in what weird way that's
2: that was really my point I, i do think that There's a difference in storytelling from the 60s 80s and today that that we must be you know obliged to there's there's dynamics that have to have for a story to still be relevant and does the formula still work i don't know i I really don't the closest thing we have to the old formula would be um the seth seth mcfarland show orville um that now even that show has a lot of human flaw in it so it's not necessarily directly attached to gene roddenberry's original um rules around Trek, which he did have some rules but to me star trek has always been more about uh he, he real life to the art and reflect something back that you can learn from and to me picard did that and did it really well i i don't mind showing the flaws in our culture and our society through the sci-fi lens i'm in fact i actually really like that and i think that that's what makes trek trek i think that's what gene's ultimate goal was to show us that we could i do think
0: the difference therein is uh, of course showing the 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 failings of a of a society through the lens of someone in the future who has surpassed it moved on and uh, um, can look back on it objectively um, and can paint moral dilemmas to an audience without being preachy or heavy-handed about it. That's what the old Star Trek was good at, and that Picard has ultimately failed to do. It's the opposite of that. It's incredibly preachy. It tells you what's right or wrong, um, and then decides for you um, what's wrong with humanity and tries to, to tries to show you.
2: Uh- I didn't get that I didn't get that at all
1: in the final act of finale the titular character John Luke Picard he died <laughs> he died Yeah, he died okay but yeah apparently he straight up died and was resurrected as a synthetic person
2: that's what happened
1: is that a does that driving the plot forward or a good call for the show or uh,
2: I mean, it's good for the show that now live, I guess, but ultimately this was one of my big problems with the show. If I was going to say my number one, what the <laughs> it would be this decision and whoever wrote it should be. Some <laughs> and, and <laughs> noodles um, plot. Does it drive the plot forward? Well, there can still be a plot because the Star Trek Picard still has Picard in it for season two. Did it need to happen? No. Why did it happen? Who knows? Would Picard have wanted that to happen? No. Uh, I just really thought it was a bad, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why it occurred. I mean, even philosophically, now you have to ask yourself, is this really Picard? If you take, uh, the memory of one of a person and put it into a robot, is that still the person or is the person gone? And now it's this new thing. I don't know. And personally, I'm not excited to ask that question. Um, this was my big f minus for the show was the decision to make picard a synth
0: so yeah it it made him a synth and i totally agree the idea that jean Luc had to die to come back as a memory of that end in another body and to still try and play it off like it's the same character so that the same actor can continue drawing on people's nostalgia so they'll keep watching this garbage show it's not garbage. It it's made a good me, show. It made me like it less. You didn't uh, even like it at all in episode one. No, I I didn't like it, and I like it less now.
1: An article by Keith Phipps on Vulture claims that although the finale tied up loose ends at quote warp speed end quote, they did so in a way that was true to the heart of Star Trek. I'm gonna. You guys don't quite agree.
0: That is a safe it... bet.
2: It depends on what you're talking about. There, there were a lot of plot points that happened, and I do have to say that apart from the the Picard synth thing, everything else I thought was beautiful. I love the moments that they gave us throughout the series and throughout throughout the season. Um, the episode that was uh, Deanna and um, Riker was incredibly touching and tearjerker even type of, of of an episode. It was so well written, so well acted the chemistry between those actors was still just olden it actually made me sad for uh instead of having a uh, that we didn't get a tng part two because i would have loved to see these characters interact more um but there were a lot of loose ends that did get tied up relatively quickly um for the most part i was okay with where it, where it came out i liked the fact that um, humanity stood up for the for the right thing at the end. I liked that the the synths were redeemable in the end. Um, I liked the fact that they gave Data a real send off, a real kind of funeral moment, and you know let him go off into the the gray mists appropriately. There were a lot of things I liked.
1: Picard is already firm to be getting a second season, though no official air date has been announced. CBS is looking to have it released by late two thousand and twenty to early two thousand and twenty one if you're looking for more star trek content nowhere else to turn star trek online now hosts another soken guild the nova star task force is ready and waiting animal crossing terraria stardew valley Rimworld, minecraft A lot of these games are gaining popularity recently, or have been stalwart members of the uh, I-don't-know-what-else-to-do-with-my-time in the case of Minecraft, and they all have one major thing in common. They're based around relaxation. While each of these games comes with some form of conflict, in some cases optional or perhaps even minimal, each of these games is what players consider to be relaxed in theme. Slice of life, if you will. Do you think that these games are getting popular specifically because of people's real lives right now? And if not, what would you say is?
2: Um, I don't think... These games have been pretty popular for a while now. Most of them. I think Animal Crossing is the one that was not really on my radar until the quarantine life. But like Minecraft was huge for a long time. Terraria, I have lots and lots of friends who played it. Stardew Valley, even I downloaded it. Um, RimWorld, like all these have been in the consciousness of gamers for a while um, I think that when you have downtime you kind of go back to those things that maybe you just touched on or you found relaxing at fun one time or you thought hey this needs more time and I don't have more time but now I do so now I can do it I don't necessarily think it's a discovery as much as maybe a rediscovery or <laughs> maybe just feeling boredom
0: i think it uh i think it definitely has something to do with uh, our current global situation i know for me personally i tend like i i have really enjoyed terraria stardew valley Um, i'm actually playing Rim world now um and of course animal crossing is on everybody's radar now but um we talked a little bit about uh, last episode about how uh, forms of entertainment um, aren't necessarily... They don't hold the same kind of appeal that they might have in the past. Um, and I know for me, I, I typically really like games that are a little more action-oriented, that are, um, I don't know, a little bit more hectic. Um, there are a couple games like... Um, vermin tide or there's a game um hunch showdown that is a, a kind of a horror slash pvp game that i i have really enjoyed playing with some of our friends um but i don't enjoy them as much right now the same as i haven't enjoyed movies like bird box or um dawn of the dead or like other i don't know things that used to get my adrenaline going a little bit that i've that i have enjoyed i don't as much anymore and i've leaned on games like World and stardew valley here lately because they they distract me from what is the unsettling reality of our world
2: yeah
1: brain wants serotonin not uh adrenaline it
0: mine does for sure
1: A lot of gamers consider these casual games to be just mainstream or important as massive titles like call of duty do you guys think that that's the case
0: um i don't know i i have a hard time with the word mainstream regardless of context i mean even if you like whatever you put at the end of that media games movies um i don't know i i have a hard time defining what mainstream even is um I think, especially given the connectivity that everybody seems to have nowadays, you know, with the ubiquitousness—I don't know if that's ubiquity—is the word, <laughs> whatever the word is—of all, all of our relative connection to each other via the internet, via our cell phones, via you know whatever whatever we have. Um, I, I don't know. Some things become massively popular, and some things don't. Um, but but even those things that don't tend to be massively popular tend to have millions of people who pay attention to them um, and Candy Crush can be considered a mainstream game <laughs> by that standard as much as I don't want to
2: it's an interesting point that mainstream is almost meaningless and moot in a society like we have now where everything is so interconnected and interwoven it's almost like There's just a bunch of niches that have gotten a lot bigger that have some Venn diagram quality to them. There's some overlap on these niches. There's not really one thing that everybody is putting their thumb on to say, this is the mainstream. And there's not really anything like counterculture anymore because everybody's a little bit counterculture these days. Um, I, I have less of a problem with that word than I do important, mainly because I don't know that I mean, are video games important? I don't know. I don't know that that's a, a good thing to call they them. are my life. <laughs> I mean, certainly they, I treat them like, in my life, I have treated them important. I have put them above more important things. I have skipped meals or even skipped work in my life before to play a Amen. video game. So, in that sense, sure, <laughs> it's important. But I don't know. They're, it really, these labels become less meaningful as. We all kind of become more open-minded to what what gaming is, and as resistant as I want to be to that, sometimes I think that's just what we're going to have to accept. That the gamer tag isn't what it used to be. It's not counterculture. It's not you know in the basement with the box of Cheetos. It's it's different now, and that's okay. And that's probably better for all of us.
0: I'ma little uh pc mount race here a uh, surprise surprise um but i th- i think um because we have seen um certain outlets um I'll, I'll throw steam a bone here uh and say that through outlets like steam i've been exposed to games by indie developers and by really small teams of developers that i otherwise wouldn't have been exposed to and instead uh, if I was, well, you know, let's say I was a console peasant and all I played were console games, the only games I would know would be Call of Duty or Assassin's Creed or, you know, um, first or third person shooters with stealth elements. Like that, those would be the only games I would ever really know. But because I have exposure to these other things, there are so many other games and other genres that are important to me. Important, I guess, is a, is a weird word, but. They've been really fun for me. like genital jousting.
2: (laughs) I mean, would we ever know genital jousting if we only played on the Xbox?
0: For those of you who haven't (laughs) played it, look it up. It's worth it. (laughs) But those those really are the kinds of niche games that are really fun and that you can toss around to, you know, the communities that you're a part of and get a little bit more exposure. Um, that other people will also jump into stardew valley is popular because gamers have really enjoyed it and have tossed it out to other gamers it's not a huge development company that made stardew valley and yet most gamers i talk to are familiar with it or at least know of it
2: i will say you, you know Console peasantry aside, there is a the the consoles are catching up a little bit in their marketplaces. There is there are a lot more ways to be exposed to games um, in the consoles now than there used to be. You know, five ten years ago, you really can come across more titles that aren't the let's use the word mainstream titles. Uh, you know, where you used to have to go buy the disc or whatever. There there is a little more um, indie. To, to what you can play on a console.
0: Yeah, it's, it's better now. but I, I don't think it's anywhere near where, where we have the luxury. Of certainly access. not like
2: Steam. Absolutely not, where you can actually have a curator curate games through their massive librarians. And you've played this, you'd probably like this.
0: Yeah, it, it really is world changing for folks who value games.
1: So question, what makes these games different from mobile games?
0: Because I'm on my PC. <laughs> There's
2: there is just literally a different attitude when to to me anyway. It's hard. I, I guess I'm gonna be snobby here. It is different than me flipping open my phone and while I'm in the doctor's flipping office.
0: open your phone.
2: Listen, I have a, my phone has a flip top because it's also my wallet. <laughs> it's not a flip phone. I have an iPhone, but it has uh, a case, so I have to flip open the case in order to play it okay anyway but like it's in the doctor's office to pass some time is different than whenever i get you know a six pack and a bag of doritos and come sit at my my desktop like there's a different mentality there on on the one hand i'm passing the time on the other hand i'm going to game so mobile gaming to me from my perspective is really about passing time whereas gaming uh, on my PC, or even console for that matter, there really is a, everything else in the world is stopping, this is what I'm doing right now.
0: That's a good distinction. I agree with that. I, I also think another fundamental element is um, kind of, what are these games designed to achieve? And when you look at mobile gaming, especially the, the quote free games that you can download, like they, they typically have some element of gameplay that you can participate in up to a point. Um, and there's there's either things that are on a timer that you can pay money to cancel the timer or there are you know really fundamental elements of the game that you you can't pass beyond without having to pay for them. Um, I think where some pc games um, have been lambasted for uh, putting those elements in their games uh, mobile games have not only, embraced it but have but have mastered it and are um like there seems to be no pushback on mobile games for it i i don't see any kind of counterculture for mobile gaming to not include those elements because i don't think anybody takes those games seriously and i think ultimately when um, folks look at who's paying for those like everybody else just kind of crosses their arms and says yep you deserve it (laughs) whereas PC games are different people look at those and go nope we don't want that and there's there's enough of a pushback that developers who do that kind of stuff for PC games develop a negative reputation
1: so how often do you guys play these chill games yourselves
0: I'm uh I actually had to pause RimWorld uh, to do this (laughs) podcast so (laughs) a lot
2: (laughs) um it depends. i don't uh, the the ones on this list were not, are not on my chill list personally I have played them in the past but I think I've moved on right now the game that's on my chill chill list is uh, i believe it's called dawn of man and it's kind of like a a city builder it's slash list. yeah it's a good game like it's it's a city builder slash resource management slash progress through time maybe a little bit of RTS but not like super light RTS that's not really the point of it. Um, but that's that's the game I've been kind of escaping into lately and I try to play you know a little bit every day just so that I can unwind that doesn't always happen sometimes my xanax gets to me first and um, I pass out to cheers reruns but um, you know that that's mine pretty often
0: I'll say um, they're games that I keep on my um, on my list they're not games that I play the terribly regularly uh, they're games that i find i go to uh, just shy of a xanax like <laughs> <laughs> i'll i'll go to them if you know i'm i'm stressed or i i just need a reprieve um, and and lately i've been playing the hell out at of a, at a rim world every day
2: i've been playing that too but it's a little different in my community
0: <laughs> is it?
1: <laughs> in times like these, perhaps it's good that we have games like this that can give us a more relaxed setting to live in than what the real world world currently is like. And to our Animal Crossing friends in the audience, together we can stop the eco terrorism of Zipper the Buddy Day Bunny. Down with Zipper! Can we say that? I, I'm not podcast?
0: a console peasant. I I don't know what that even means.
1: The state of the world right now is affecting a lot of people in some pretty negative ways. As per usual, in times of genuine crisis, people are mad at celebrities on social media. A lot of celebrities have been avidly talking about or posting their own suffering in the pandemic for a variety of reasons. But do you guys think it's fair to say that they're suffering the same way the general public is?
0: So I'm one of those people who has a general disdain celebrity i i don't know if that's surprising to anybody but it is um i think the idea that celebrities and vice celebrity i'm referring more to the quote millionaire celebrity not the you know youtuber meme celebrity i'm talking about the folks who are in their mansions who are Recording themselves quote suffering because only half their staff showed up today Um, Those folks are not uh, I don't know quote suffering like the general public is the truth is quarantine isn't that hard It's just boring most people are just dealing with boredom Um, And these folks happen to be dealing with that a little bit less than the rest of us. So no, I've got no pity celebrities and i detest them surprise surprise
2: i don't i mean i don't detest them i think that when it's strange to me that a lens is placed on celebrities when it comes to things that really normal people should be the ones that get to to opinions and run a show it it comes into a really sharp relief in a situation like this However, people with wealth don't suffer in the same way as the rest of us or poor people or homeless people ever. It's a different ball of wax, regardless of whether or not there is a pandemic going on. The pandemic just shines a light on what already exists, the inequality, the unfairness, the absolute... uh, disrespect for human life that doesn't necessarily have a well padded bank account so are they suffering in their perspective sure but their lives have changed and their reality is shifted and they are confined and bored and do i feel sorry for them no not necessarily i feel sorry for all of us we're all in this together and we as humanity need to have a little shared compassion for one another Have they lost their jobs? (laughs) Maybe. Uh, Will it affect their bottom line? A little. Are they going to go hungry? No. Do they have a tennis court on rounds? Yes. (laughs) It's just, it's hard to compare. But I really think this is a problem that exists, period. It doesn't have anything to do with a quarantine or not.
0: You have such a big heart, Jace. And it, it makes me warm. (laughs) Um, it it also makes me all the more cynical in response to your soft-heartedness to these terrible human beings I get that a lens is placed on celebrities by some subgroup of the populace because they like to hear what celebrities think they hang on the words of celebrities but the truth is a lot of celebrities are also putting lenses on themselves they can't stand to not be the center of attention and they cannot stand for the idea that they're not being listened to to go by madonna put out a video of her in her bathtub with like some kind of milky water with flower petals in it and she's going on about how the coronavirus i mean it doesn't care how much money you make it doesn't care how much talent you have it doesn't care how important you are like yeah that's the point you idiot everyone is suffering here and you're not actually suffering in your flower petal laden bathtub you dolt and that is what I take issue with get get out of the public eye nobody wants to hear you lament about how only half your staff showed up today don't do it
2: Uh, I think that the truth doesn't bear that out I think people do want to hear it The, the millions of views on these channels and on these uh, accounts, social media accounts, proves that people do want to hear it for whatever reason. Do I like it? No. Do 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 I think that they have something special to say on the topic? They have as much to say as I do. Because, once again, we're all in this together. I think that there are some celebrities that are doing good. Um, I believe it was Oprah who donated 10 mil. Um, John Krasinski, I mentioned this last week, his good news show on youtube is just heartwarming and you know why not if you've got a platform i do think you have a responsibility to use that platform for good um what where it goes awry is when they when people who of means regardless of whether you're a celebrity or not when people of means try to cast their suffering as something other than a minor inconvenience it's sort of like the first world problem thing when you encounter people who really struggle day to day to day to day it's insulting for the, when you look at some of the struggles of, say, the totally, Kardashians, for totally. instance. There is there is a a, a disgust towards, like, come on, you're, you're not hungry. Or if you are, you chose to be because you're trying to be 87 pounds on camera.
0: I'm going to ask you to stop being so reasonable, Chase, and join me in my hate.
2: I don't hate them, though. I mean, like, a lot of celebrities, I... I love i really do i think that there's a lot of celebrities who do a lot of good things with the platform and the voice they've been blessed with and i if if ever i were a celebrity i hope that i would i would do the same
1: some celebrities generally those that tend comedy have been putting out feel-good messages for people to stay healthy and happy despite the pandemic do you think that these might be helping at all or
2: i've been enjoyed some of them. I'm so embarrassed to say it because I'm afraid Leo's going to throw his headset at me. But like for instance Jack Black of Jablinski Helms. I'm a huge Jack Black fan anyway believe it or not. His his style of humor just makes me giggle. He's quarantined. Now he's quarantined in a mansion with a pool and you know hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of music equipment and he's he's got it better than most. But he's he's making us feel good he's making us laugh and there is a certain sense of shared experience when i know you know some of the same feelings and struggles i'm dealing with he's dealing with there is a little bit of camaraderie there despite the fact that it's see i guess the my my big thing here is there's no difference between every day when we don't have a pandemic, between how much money they have and how much I don't and how much the people poorer than me really don't have. And I'm, I, I, I confront that kind of thing every day. People who don't have literally have enough money for food. So there, it's always offensive to me when someone can buy three yachts and someone else can't afford a Whataburger. Like that's always wrong. This isn't any different than normal life. This is just a little bit more stark because of the circumstances I get. But you know, that's what they do. That's that what the hand they were dealt. And I guess we can be pissed at them or let them entertain us. And <laughs> I guess I choose to be entertained.
0: I think the the difference in my perspective is not necessarily that um, they have and others have not. I don't begrudge them having made it. I don't begrudge them even the the weird talents that might have led to their success. We're in a strange time. Um, I, I think the last hundred years have been the weirdest when it comes to what can make a person wealthy. It's been nuts. If you're funny with political commentary, you can run a late night TV show and you can become a millionaire that is a weird talent and i don't begrudge the people who have made a success of that and have you know found themselves at the forefront of um our collective one percent i applaud those who have taken their celebrity and have tried to channel it to make other people's lives better i i don't I, i don't take issue with that at least those who have done it in a respectful way those who have tried to be humorous um uh, conan o'brien for instance um i think one of the things i sent that kind of spurred this question even existing was his critique of a lot of the various celebrity um selfies and celebrity um <laughs> tangents where he made fun of the celebrities who were taking tours through their mansions just arbitrarily and and making asses of themselves with um trying to relate to a population in quarantine in one bedroom apartments in their ridiculous mansions like he went to the fake helipad of his place and he went to the fake um you know second hallway um outside the um, what's what's a falcon room or a bird, a, a, whatever it is, the, aviary, uh, aviary? Yes, <laughs> like he went to the aviary of, of his house, and it was all like, like you know, terrible backgrounds that he was like fake walking through. But he was making fun of the celebrities who are so who lack such self awareness. And the truth is, Conan is another millionaire. He's another guy who who has those things or could have those things, but he has enough self-awareness to at least mock those who lack it. And I can appreciate that in somebody like Conan. Jack Black is another celebrity who I respect for his down-to-earth perspective and his self-awareness. There's a ton of celebrities that I appreciate for that. A lot, though, have shown just how unaware they are of the fact that there's a wide world out there that does not enjoy uh the kind of lifestyle they take for granted
1: one of the biggest sources of anger right now is at the kardashians who started selling 60 dollars crisis kits to people in need which were basically just masks and blankets that are extremely upcharged there have been other cases of price gouging like this with uh there was the one guy who bought like what seven thousand bottles of hand sanitizer um how do you guys feel about people that are trying to make a profit off of this crisis?
2: Let me just say, um, so I do a lot of business with some office retailers. And so I'm in, co- in contact with their sales reps. Do you know that someone tried to sell me ha- a gallon of hand sanitizer for 120 bucks? Like literally called like they were doing me a favor. It's disgusting. It's gross. The, the, the Kardashians specifically are some of those people that I kind of can get in in leo's bandwagon for because i don't feel like the kardashians are in any way talented humans they don't necessarily provide um a service or a a show or a anything redeemable that made them wealthy um there there was a time when you had to be talented to be celebrity to be rich or now it's kind of people are celebrity just for the sake of celebrity. And this is a family who I feel has cashed in on that turn of culture. They've done so very successfully. I'm not saying that they're poor business people because they, they very geniusly uh, positioned themselves to make themselves extremely wealthy. I don't approve of that. I don't think that that's good, a good way to have a, to build a culture. <laughs> um, but the fact that they would try to sell crisis kits at up charges nauseating
0: nauseating is a word I would use too um the Kardashians are a prime example of everything Jay said they're 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 famous because they're famous the difference between the guy who bought up all that hand sanitizer and tried to sell it is the guy's a relative nobody who thought he was going to take advantage of a particular crisis and he was going to turn around and be like an entrepreneur now it's possible the guy didn't know the depths of the crisis. He didn't understand the the realities of the pandemic. And yes, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that I'm not affording the Kardashians, and I'm okay with that. Um, but the guy found himself in a tight spot. He's even been interviewed before saying like, eh, yeah, this was a bad call. Amazon stopped him. There are forces at play that prevented this guy from capitalizing On his um, taking advantage of the situation. Nothing is going to stop the Kardashians from taking advantage of this. And that is all based on their fame and popularity. Enough people are going to badmouth them, sure. But that's only going to be press for them. And that's only going to increase popularity for them because they have some kind of crazy, rabid fan base that's going to continue buying this garbage because they think it's, quote, better because it costs more money.
2: But really, you, I mean, you can't really blame the celebrity for that. The problem is in the culture. It's I not-
0: blame the celebrity for taking advantage of it. I blame the celebrity for not having the self-awareness or the moral fortitude to do the right thing.
2: I, I think that the, the onus lies a lot more on the culture and the people. If we didn't elevate these people to these positions, they wouldn't have the ability to do it.
0: The power that they have, would, we give them. If you were in this position of celebrity, you would absolutely not do this.
2: I don't I'm not saying that they're people of good character. That's not what I'm saying. I think that ultimately the bottom line is we elevated someone of poor character to a place where they could be billionaires and abused their status we did not have to do that as a culture they they provided nothing to us there was no song they wrote there was no movie that they presented to us there was nothing they produced other than just a sex tape and then capitalizing on it and then people threw money at them it's not their fault people threw money at them it's the people's fault for throwing the money
0: I think that were you in their position you would not do this but I think and I love you for it. You have such a heart that you don't hold them to the same the same standard you would hold yourself to.
2: I don't know. I'm no Kardashian apologist by any means. I, I hate them. I'm not saying I don't. I'm not a golden child here. I'm not the saint. No, but you, Christopher. you
0: would never do what you are forgiving them for.
2: It's not a forgiveness. It, it, it's where does the responsibility lie? Where does the fault lie? The fault lies with a culture that celebrated what they offered. If we didn't celebrate that, they would be nothing. We did this. I, so, think, it's...
0: I think they're both to blame, though. I think the culture is partly to blame. But I also hold them 100% accountable for taking advantage of this cult of personality that exists around them. They are still to blame
1: it's it's kind of like the trolley problem you know where it's got the there's like five people tied to this train track and one person on the other you can flip the switch to move the trolley but if you do you're responsible for the one person's death the answer to the the morality of that problem isn't ever it's your fault because you flipped a switch or didn't it's the fault of the person that tied the people to the tracks
0: it's deep tea mm
1: and the fault of the person who didn't put brakes on the trolley
0: <laughs> right. or faulty brakes or didn't warn you that there were people tied or yes
1: <laughs> yeah so like i'm not gonna say that the average person is guilty in this because i don't know that there's enough like weight there but i can like i definitely see where the the cultural weight is coming into play and then they're taking advantage of it which it's understandable if you're humans are a little bit opportunistic by nature it just kind of feels like it got out of hand fast and it's going to continue to get out of hand but on the bright side if you do have someone trying to price gouge in your area that is illegal
0: i don't know the worst it's just a mantra i live by
2: sometimes they really are
1: we're a terrible species but we make some great things for example uh, as a more uplifting note, not all rich and famous people are evil. The CEO of Delta, Ed Bastian, gave up a portion of his own salary to avoid having to lay off employees. Kevin Love, JJ Watts, and Kelia Ohai are actively donating money to families in need. Even Britney Spears has been active on social media, speaking directly to her fans to comfort them, sending money and food to those in need, and otherwise spreading awareness for charities that are trying to help people. Hosier has notably been giving at-home concerts that have been streamed to help people relax and find other things to focus on during the crisis. Do you think that it's the responsibility of these celebrities, people with power and fame, to to do things like this?
2: Yes, I do think that. I am a huge Spider-Man fan, and with great power comes great responsibility. If you have the means to make a situation better, then you're an if you don't do it you have to do what you can you can't fix everything but there are things that all of us can do and if you can do it you should do it that is our moral responsibility to take care of each other and so you know there's different value of things giving 10 million dollars is certainly better than giving a free concert but if you can give a free concert that makes some people feel better and that's something you can do in these moments
0: let me just say that while i 100 percent agree um, with great power comes great responsibility and those people who have power particularly these folks who are ceos of organizations or um, those who have direct influence and authority over the financial lives of others yes they should be going out of their way to make the lives of those responsible for easier i'm very fortunate to work for an organization whose leadership has gone out of their way To ensure remain we remain employed and we remain paid um, for however long that can last Um, I'm grateful to the leadership of the company that I work for Um, I work for this company because I knew that that was a reality of our culture Um, celebrities have a little bit of a different kind of power a little bit of a different kind of authority Um, I do think um the idea of i don't know whether they have a responsibility to this or not i i'm not sure um celebrity is a weird thing and it it comes in gradients and it's you know i'm famous in this aspect or or not the things that you can offer i do agree with jace yes offer what you can to try and comfort those in need but i also think that it needs to be tempered with a self-awareness
2: you know it's it's hard i i saw an interview recently with justine bateman now that's a name from the past isn't it about how her reality was skewed because of how she came up and how truly the world she her perception of what what the real world was was broken because of her fame and because of her massive amount of fame um she has since grown up and has since come to realize what the world is more about and you know has changed perspective but to me you have to give a little bit of understanding to people who if that is your reality if that is your perception and you you are lost in it then really the the response rather than anger i feel should be pity because it is It is important that people understand what is real and what isn't real. And when you lose yourself in worship to something that isn't real, you really aren't living. Um, Now, it's hard to say someone's not living. I'd love to not live on a yacht myself. But there is something to be said for people who celebrity and fame is somewhat of a prison. There there are lots and lots of stories and movies and books about famous people who are miserable in their fame because it's like a guild cage. And I think that there's probably a great deal of truth to that. Um if and it it does probably make them come off as tone deaf to people who are a little more dialed in and tuned into what the real world is really about. Um but it it doesn't make me necessarily mad. It makes me frustrated, but again, more at a culture that allows it rather than the individuals who
0: are lost to it yeah I don't don't disagree with you I it all comes down to individual perspective and it all comes down to not only how self-aware are you but how culturally aware are you and the truth is there are remarkably intelligent and socially aware people who are celebrities and to them I applaud their efforts to try and make the world a better place. There are also remarkably self and socially aware people who are not of means, who are also trying to make the world a better place, and I applaud them for the things that they're able to do. There are also idiots, (laughs) effing idiots, who are celebrities, and to them, you know, they could die in a fire, and I wouldn't, Yeah, I mean, it's sad for the people, that that their loss made sad, but whatever. The world's not a worse place and there are effing idiots who are not famous and yeah that's just the reality of humanity so it is what it is um I don't begrudge all celebrities I just begrudge the ridiculously wealthy and remarkably tone-deaf and completely unaware um folks who believe that they're contributing to some quote greater good by sharing their idiocy uh, across the the cosmos by dropping their non-issues into the world wide web um, through whatever means they, th- they think are best um, and the ones that think they're helping are the ones who make me detest them more
1: to close this off we've talked about the people of the entertainment industry how they're handling things But we also like to talk about entertainment itself. It's kind of the whole purpose of the podcast. I don't know if you guys might have noticed. Uh, But in times like these, entertainment in all its forms is kind of all we got to keep us sane. Whether that's video games, movies, TV. It's kind of all we got to do while we're stuck at home, unless you want to, like, play Uno. Do you feel that this mess proves that these art forms are important to a society?
2: yes is that a good enough answer
0: (laughs) i heard carter typing like matt (laughs) i agree yes i think they're important um they are increasingly important when other things become less important i don't know how to phrase that better the truth is while those people who are in positions to try and right this ship and and by ship I mean society at large uh, there is a small subset of people and, and I think Jace is among them who are working and making decisions and trying to make right what is the insanity we're existing in right now I honestly think pop culture is less important because pop culture is um, kind of ridiculous to them right now. There's real things that need to be decided and real things that need to be done. However, I think that population is a very small segment of the rest of us. The rest of us, 95%, are told to shelter in place and we're bored at home. And the idea that Uh, entertainment is more important to us is absolutely true because there's nothing else to do. Uh, We're tired of looking at each other. We're tired of sitting in our backyard in our lawn chairs. So, yeah. It's more important to us.
2: I think that there would be uh, a much greater loss, even even though this is a terrible time, even though this is people are losing their lives literally, and, and a lot of people across the planet have died. I think that this would be too much to bear if we didn't have something to distract us. Now, you know, you can make an argument for well, your family should be the distraction, and yes, possibly it should. You should you could talk about you know books or learning a skill. I've heard people being complaining if you're not doing something to better yourself sometimes the best you can do in times of despair is to just make it through and making it through is the victory so to use these uh, the, the entertainment that we are fortunate to have at our fingertips to make it through I don't think there's first of all I don't think there's anything wrong with it but second of all I think that it is a huge luxury and blessing for lack of a better word and it does also prove, not just entertainment-wise, but for the economy and culture at large, how important it is that internet be a utility and something that is not regulated and controlled. It should be as, as free to us, and I use the term free as, as liberty, not necessarily you know without cost, as things like plumbing and electricity... These are things that, that are necessary for our infrastructure, necessary for our economy to survive, necessary for our culture to thrive. So we we happen to, to have a pandemic at a time when the coping mechanisms are, are readily available to us, but it should prove to us a couple of things. First of all, that our art is important to us and it should continue to be funded and we should give it thumbs ups, but also that we, we, we need to have this medium of internet as as a as a publicly protected utility
0: i think the idea of art um Uh, on a grand scale um i think we were originally just talking like movies and games but art as, as a whole i think it's important for a culture but i do think that's one of those things that is important for a culture in a certain um in a certain setting um when a culture is faced with a dire threat like that's one of those things that it's it's stymied it it becomes less important in the face of that dire threat when a culture finds itself safe again it can it re it tends to reembrace those things um I don't necessarily think that those things should disappear in the face of this particular pandemic in fact i think, They've helped a lot of us through it. But I do think we should appreciate what a luxurious position we're in to enjoy them in this particular um, global situation. we're We're facing something unprecedented in a technologically unprecedented time uh, and have access to things that you know our ancestors in such a situ- situation would never have. Um, it's unique
1: that it is and in uncertain times regardless of how you feel about the people in the entertainment industry we do appreciate those that are doing what they can to keep us all as happy and healthy as we can be while we're locked up at home thank you doordash and other delivery workers i would not be fed without you (laughs) it's tea time here's a little question for you guys what is your all-time favorite story setting whether it's role play a movie a book etc you're a good pirate are you drawn in by the wonders of fantasy do you prefer science fiction or science fantasy is it something like steampunk that just really gets to you
0: mm, so i have two very different answers to this i think um i've always been a sucker for high fantasy um to be to be frank the lord of the rings is my uh absolute favorite long story um it's a trilogy i also include the hobbit in that it 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 is in and of itself just one of the most superb fantasy stories i have i've ever enjoyed um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy movies are my favorite movies of all time, yada yada. It, it really is a fantastic um, just setting for a story to be told in. That said, I am a sucker for real-world apocalypse world-ending stories as well. Um, I found, though, during our current global situation, I'm less a fan of those uh, because they they make my anxiety go through the roof. Uh, but outside of our current situation, I do dig those too. But high fantasy has got to be my go-to.
2: I think I'm a sci-fi nerd. I really, really like science fiction gaming, science fiction reading, science fiction TV in movies it's my fave um sci-fi i will say with depth is certainly what i prefer though not just sci-fi that that stuff doesn't do a whole lot for me but you know something that has a message set in the the future far future is um always gonna always gonna catch my attention always has ever since i've been a small person
0: I've liked sci-fi um I I think it's like super thoughtful I think I think I agree like I I've I've seen sci-fi that's like Warhammer 40k I mean that's fun to a certain point but it isn't anything that captures my interest but Star Trek let's say the next generation not Picard has captured my interest
1: I'll admit, I don't even really know if I have a set genre, I just know that there's like three checkpoints, and that's, uh, if it, if it has gays, if it has magic, and if it has dragons. And if you have all three, I'm sold. I don't care how bad the writing is or the cliches of the rest of the plot.
0: Did you say What gaze? was your first word?
1: Uh, yeah. that it, basically if it's LGBT um, friendly or inclusive Oh, okay. If fiction,
0: it has gays. That's what you said? That's what I thought you yeah. said. I couldn't tell if the it gays or guys but I, I was unsure.
2: It needs to be
1: fabulous! Yeah.
0: So as long as there are rainbows in the mythology, good to go.
1: Uh, if you can give me the frickin' princess rescued from the tower but it's lesbians and they fly away on the dragon at the end, like, I'm sold. That's it. I was just talking
0: person. earlier about what a fan of lesbians I thought Jace would be.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very supportive. Very supportive.
0: I'm I'm a fan. Okay, let me let me preface this because I'm gonna I'm gonna come off maybe not the best. I love stories that are inclusive, and I love the idea of stories that break boundaries. I don't like when they're shoehorned in, and I don't like when like stories are force-fed around the inclusion of what are unrealistic narratives. Like, um, I don't know. I've seen a couple of what I thought were really inclusive and really cool shows, like kind of go in weird directions, um, to simply have quote inclusion, but at the expense of their own lore and at the expense of their own story, um, and it it kind of bugs me like i i wish that that kind of inclusion could be something that is more just organic to the story like don't make it about that inclusion necessarily just have that inclusion be an organic part of the story it feels better that way and i think it encourages inclusion better that way
2: yeah, that's true. We would hate to have a story that's all around a straight romance. Imagine. I hate when they shoe in straight romances, shoehorn in straight romances, and make the whole story about people falling in love.
0: <laughs> I,
2: do, I do, too.
1: <laughs> I love could Conquer Mountains. Do you, like, know each other's middle names? Is
0: just, there a uh, Brokeback Mountain we're talking about?
2: <laughs> I wrote just that. Just asking. No one <laughs> believes me.
1: Oh, God. All right, that's going to be an edited segment. <laughs> if you'd like to submit tea T-Time question for the podcast, head on over to SoakingGaming.com slash SoakingMedia and find the submission bar on the right-hand side of the page. These questions can be anything from would-you-rathers to just trying to get me to say a really weird word. I'm sure to mispronounce it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Soaking podcast. For more soken Media, you can visit us at SokinGaming.com slash Media, follow our Twitter at Sokin Gaming, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Sokin Gaming Community, and look for future episodes of the podcast on Google Podcasts and iTunes. Until next time, I've been T. I'm
2: always Chase. I'm always Leo.
1: We definitely want you to tweet us pictures of your quarantine haircuts, uh, and we'll see you next week.
2: Yeah, stay classy, Sokin.
0: Thank you for listening to the Sokin Community Podcast.
2: Craving more?
0: Visit us on Twitter and YouTube
2: at Soakin Gaming, as well as our website, www.sokingaming.com.
0: Until next time, stay classy. Right, Jace?